This podcast is sponsored by TaskTop, the leading value stream integration solution that makes DevOps work at scale. TaskTop integrates your favorite tools used to plan, build, and deploy enterprise-scale software and enables organizations to deliver better software faster. For more information about TaskTop, please visit infoq.link forward slash TaskTop. Good day, folks. This is Shane Hasty for the InfoQ Culture Podcast, and I'm here with Jason Yip. Jason gave a talk at the recent QCon conference on speeding up development and what does speed mean in development. Jason, you have a, a pretty interesting background. Welcome. Uh, thank you for, for taking the time to talk to us. Would you mind giving us a picture of your history over the last few years? If you go all the way to the beginning in around 1999, I believe, yeah, 1999, um, I was studying a master's in software engineering, and some one of my colleagues forwarded me a post about extreme programming, which is this new thing. I think my first reaction was, hey, what is this stuff? Because um, it was very different than what we were learning in class. And that's kind of where I got drawn into all of this. So that led to xprogramming.com, the original one, and the, uh, the first wikic2.com. And really actually Usenet, which nobody goes to anymore, comp.object, comp.softwareng, stuff like that. That really kind of led down the path of getting involved in all the extreme programming stuff, including the first XP conference and then uh, eventually the whole branding of Agile um, and getting involved with that. I got hired uh, before I graduated from, with, from the master's to ThoughtWorks, then the dot-com bubble burst, and that was the whole thing. But then I was there for quite a while. Mostly, eventually, mostly in Australia, uh, which is probably where I met you. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, I've been in, I was in Australia for over 10 years, um, uh, but then uh, over the last over two years now, I've been at Spotify in New York City. You've been deeply embedded in the, in the Agile movement, in the, the concepts behind Agile, the, particularly the, the technical space, extreme programming and all of that, and of course... ThoughtWorks considered to be one of the organizations that, that embodies some of this stuff. And now you're at Spotify, always held up as being, you know, this is, this is what an agile organization should be. What's it like at Spotify? I think it's sometimes dangerous to hold things up on a pedestal like that. The reality is always messier than what the, you know, the nice sounding stories are like. Spotify is very good at, at certain things, um, but, you know, it's, it's messier. Um, we're, we still have to get better at thir- certain things. We're not good at other things. It kind of reminds me of uh, a book that Bob Sutton wrote with someone else, I don't remember who, uh, called Scaling Up Excellence, and he talks about the difference between an air war and a ground war. The air war is all the hype and all the messaging and all that stuff, all the presentations, all the nice-sounding videos and things. The reality is, is like a ground war. It is messy. You have to fight through problems. You have to deal with stuff. That's how I would describe it at Spotify. Like, I don't have to worry so much about air cover, but I do need to deal with stuff on the ground. Okay, and some of that stuff on the ground leads to, to your talk, the, the, the concept of speed and development. What do you mean by that? The Kind of the essence of the talk, and then I get into more details, is that when people talk about speed in uh, product development, um, it's important to 
create a distinction between um, what I call the the feel of speed versus actual speed. So mm-hmm. what is the um, the experience of someone in the middle of product delivery, um, which comes down to uh, what I call, um, what I describe as friction versus actual product delivery speed, which is effectively just um, like calendar time and things mm-hmm. like that. Okay. So what are some of the things that cause this friction? So friction, friction ends up um, like anyone who does actually have um, product delivery experience or where they've been on teams, they're the kind of things that people readily recognize. So when you are working on something and uh, it feels like the environment is fighting you, and this comes down to, um, down to uh, like, hey, I'm, a, I'm coding something and all the variable names are, are just named weirdly um, or the code style is just strange. It means that you, you can feel yourself, you slow down. Or the uh, development environment, the editor you're using is off. Um, like the settings are, are off and all of a sudden you're slowing down. Um, the environments aren't available um, and you have to wait for something to get done and you feel like you're slowing down. So it's just that, it's that kind of human experience of things getting in your way. That's what I mean by friction. How do we structure our organizations or support our teams to remove this friction? And I suppose also, why does it matter? Like, how would you structure to remove friction? What I, what I was saying is that, that there's a degree of habit or expectation that, that kicks in. Um, because when, when you're talking about friction, it, it does get down to the details. It, it's kind of like you go, oh, uh, it's just a minor thing. It's just a minor thing. Uh, it's kind of like a one second, two second thing, um, which means you don't, if you're not in it, you, it's very easy for let's say someone in a type of management type position to just ignore the fact that um, there's something getting in the way but if you're in the work it's very obvious that you're being impeded which means that it requires uh, an almost um, like like very disciplined habit of of not accepting it which is kind of a, a cultural expectation of saying hey when we get stuff in the way even this kind of one second two second latency operating in this kind of minute level uh, behavior that you will say, okay, we're going to spend time to remove that. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to uh, refuse to accept um, even these kind of minor things that get in the way. And it's just, it is very similar to this kind of uh, uh, Kaizen mindset that you often hear in the kind of TPS lean type environments, which when they are dealing with like effectively one, two second delays, um, we, we don't, we're not operating at a one minute, uh, whatever, uh, cadence, uh, tap time, I guess what they call it. Um, but we still have, you know, like, let's say I'm to have a 20 minute commit cycle. You know, I can notice when something takes an extra minute, it, like it's noticeable. Um, and you go, okay, we're going to constantly start removing that stuff. And it's just about establishing that it's probably nothing more than that. You use the term refined annoyance. Yes. Um, and, and that's sort of what I mean. It's, 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 it's a cultivated habit, expectation, belief about how work should be. And you don't allow the, that, those kind of annoyances to become, oh, that's just how things are. And I'm just going to let it go. You just don't let it go. Uh, but it's not like, a, uh, oh, I'm just going to complain about it. It's like, okay, therefore, we're going to work on how to fix it. Um, and it's just that. Like there is a degree of, the, the reason why I kind of mentioned or kind of called it, hey, it's refined annoyance, is that there's a degree of, of uh, 
Like there's an ability there to see those things for like problems to solve as opposed to just seeing them as, you know, this is why the world is sucks or whatever. Like you don't, you have to kind of be able to maintain that distinction that all these things are things that can be addressed. One of the things that's been very, very prevalent in the the conversations lately uh, is we've moved away from, from Agile. We've moved into an era of DevOps. And DevOps, in theory, removes some of that friction by, by reducing the, the time between development and operation. Um, I know at, at, at Spotify there is a a concept of you build it, you run it, you you maintain it, you support it. Is, is that what DevOps means? Um, I, I remember when, um, like, really early days when DevOps first showed up. The original idea was just, hey, um, if you're developing something and then you also have people supporting it, like an operations perspective, how about you kind of bring people together? Because there would be a lot of confusion, misunderstanding, uh, differing perspective which could be resolved if people just kind of got together. So it's kind of this idea of, hey, it is actually important for us to collaborate on this because we actually are trying to achieve a common goal. And having that separation would itself generate problems. It would generate this kind of unnecessary conflict, um, even though nominally you have a common goal. So the, the model of the you build it, you support it, addresses that in the sense that there's no longer this, this distance because you're the same group of people. On its own, though, that doesn't necessarily remove friction, per se. It removes the, 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 that distance, that gap in communication perspective. Uh, but your specific tooling, the specific problems uh, might still be in play. Like practically as well, like even within Spotify, um, it's more complicated than just um, a single service um, that you're building and maintaining because you have lots of different services. You still have interactions with other groups. And if, if you kind of step away from even just saying, hey, the issue was just development and operations, it's not. It's between any two groups of people that have potentially different perspectives or goals, that gap could generate problems where you're working against each other. And being able to know when to close that gap to have better collaboration, that concept, that principle still holds. So what is DevOps? Is it as simple as you build it, you run it? I think it is simply reducing the gap between um, development and operations, which is a generalization of uh, the principle of reducing the gap between people who need to work together. And how do we do that in our organizations? What are some of the, some of the hard aspects that we have to, to tackle and change? There, there's like multiple levels to this. A lot, a lot of times when I think about this, uh, I think of it like if I was designing a technical system. Mm-hmm. So we've always had this issue of, okay, if I'm going to build something relatively complex, um, I could do it in the giant ball of mud style, like just huge monolith type thing. But there are some issues with an ability to kind of keep your head around it. Um, it's very complicated. Even though nominally I no longer have coordination issues because it's one giant blob. Now with an organization, it's the same thing. I, there are some just due to the way interaction needs to work, the kind of communication path, there is a value to splitting things off into different concerns, different responsibilities, isolation, decoupling, etc. However, once you have to deal with coordination, there is the possibility that uh, that breaks down because of differing goals, differing expectations. 
just like if I had uh, two modules or two classes, two components, whatever, that were designed in such a way that they were trying to achieve different results, they don't integrate well together. They kind of messes up. The DevOps idea is like, oh, okay, well, unless we had really fancy technology, but unlike the kind of uh, software component, we can actually kind of merge a little bit here and then work out uh, some of the kinks dynamically. Um, and then um, it makes the coordination, the interaction more effective. Like, and that, that's kind of the essence of it. There's this thing of just because that works doesn't mean because, again, you could also fall into the trap of saying, oh, well, the, would not the ideal be that we all just come together into this giant blob? And you go, no, that doesn't work either. Because instead of having this thing where, oh, we're better collaborating, we're better coordinating because we're together, but we can't collaborate or coordinate effectively because I can't actually understand what's going on because there's too many concerns on the same blob. And you're always playing this balance of how, what level of collaboration is necessary, what level of connection is necessary, and when should I actually be saying, I don't want that collaboration. I actually want to establish a tighter interface so we don't need to at least in the realm of DevOps, was to say, hey, it doesn't make sense for you to have that clear, very like, strict interface because it's not effective. Um, it's not that strict interfaces aren't effective in general. It's just like that particular one doesn't make any sense. It, it kind of reminds me, like I, I've heard people talk about Amazon where they consider um, if you have to have a meeting between teams, it's a failure. Um, because your interfaces are not described explicitly enough, not clearly enough, that you require this kind of collaborative mechanism to compensate for your poor interface. Mm -hmm. And I go, okay, I'm not, I, I kind of like the idea, um, but there's also like, okay, when is that the appropriate thing to do and when is something else superior? Those kind of trade-offs are like, that's the reality of it. You have to kind of work it out. What are some of the big challenges that you're facing now at Spotify? We are growing very rapidly, which causes every, it's kind of like every design will fail um, if you just add enough scale to it. That's probably it in a nutshell, um, mm -hmm. is that we have to kind of, we have to respond to the different scale, which means like, okay, this particular tactic, this structure, this particular practice, this approach is no longer relevant to the context. And then we have to do an adjustment. It doesn't mean like some of the old tactics don't work. It's just like the, you're just dealing with different scales and coordinating more things. That's by far, any, any problem um, that we're looking at is almost always rooted in, in that, that particular dynamic right now. Mm -hmm. So in your role as coach at Spotify, how are you helping them overcome some of these challenges? It varies a lot. There are, there are some things which ends up being... Uh, Again, I, I, might, I might even I might even pull back. Like, uh, think of it: How do you deal with um, scaling up a technical system? Right? Mm -hmm. You start looking at structure, uh, communication paths, how much interaction is useful. Um, what should be decoupled? What should be um, like moved together? What should be moved apart? That kind of stuff. Um, there's a lot of that. With humans, you also have this thing where people like you have to actually clarify expectations because we can't just program that into them. And like, there's a lot of these kind of um, what should we what should we uh, expect this this group to do or expect this person to do, and then like where do those responsibilities lie? So, um, which I kind of yeah, I, that's why I kind of think of it always as it's very similar to a technical problem. Where should responsibilities go? Where do they best fit in order to smooth out um, all these kind of interaction issues that show up with the scale? 
we talked about the friction part of the speed thing, but um, the other aspect uh, that I was saying is that even if the experience of delivery feels fast, it doesn't mean you actually are fast. There's a lot of lot of things with, let's say, more sophisticated product delivery that are non-obvious. You will not detect it mm-hmm. um, just through direct human experience. There are things that will feel slow on the ground that are actually much faster if you look at calendar time. So it's always important to be able to step outside of just that kind of emotional response to how things are going. Part of like the talk was to say, like, I, I don't want to discount the importance of the human experience of things. Like you, we are dealing with people um, and you, you will see multiple negative consequences if you ignore that. But at the same time, you know, one, two second improvements, if you look at a larger product delivery, they don't actually have as much impact as some like other stuff, which is like, oh, how effective are you at coordinating multiple groups? How effective are you at even just like scheduling particular efforts in a particular order will have a larger impact than, um, you know, everything's smooth, it feels smooth on the ground. So the old idea of optimizing the whole, not the individual pieces. Yeah. And you can't feel the whole. The whole is fairly abstract and difficult to, to see. Whose role is it to see the whole? It's an interesting question. The default answer to that is that it's a management concern to see the whole. Practically, it's not that easy. It's yeah. everyone you can get who can see system level stuff, the, like that's better. Like I, I don't want to help everyone be able to see that because it is hard enough to deal with that uh, the more people you have who are capable of seeing larger system issues, the more likely you're able to both detect and be able to address them. Nominally, though, like that is the kind of leadership management responsibility. Like uh, we do have a tendency um, to say, hey, like this kind of, or even I guess I have a tendency to say, if it's kind of like this, oh, this low level, like team level stuff, I'm going, why are you spending time and that the squad can take care of that stuff? But there are these kind of crazy higher level stuff that is really difficult for someone who's focused on detailed things to be able to even have time to kind of get their head around, which means that, you know, you in this kind of management type position, you need to be able to see it and deal with that. Because it's kind of unfair to say, hey, I'm, I'm dealing with low level stuff. And at the same time, I have to try to deal with all this very fairly abstract, um, larger scale things at the same time. But yeah, there, there's always the, the more heads you can get on this, the better. It's, it's, not, it's not easy either way. What approach could people take to, to identifying some of those systemic level issues? I think a lot of the things that come from the lean, like the lean community, um, even like when we were talking, we introduced like when lean software development started entering, uh, mm-hmm. like the agile community and all that kind of stuff, um, like value stream mapping, just visualization, visualizing how things are working. The main issue is most of the things are complicated enough that they're beyond your ability to uh, maintain in working memory. You, it's very hard to just sort of rattle it around in your head mm-hmm. or even have a discussion with people about it. I, I was recently, I forgot which conference it was. I think this was at Agile 2017, um, having a discussion with people and we were just observing them talk about a relatively complex topic and you could see them run out of working memory and they start to cycle around around to the same points that they already discussed because they forgot those first points. And that's what it's like trying to just talk about a system. It goes beyond your cognitive ability to discuss unless you use models and visualization and things to be able to externalize your cognitive capacity. Um, and that, cause they're just that complicated. There are too many pieces to it 
um, that you can just talk through it. And that is why the tools of Lean have become very, very embedded in our usage. So things like value stream mapping and so forth. So we know how to do this stuff. Why don't organizations do it? Uh, it's difficult. Like there, there's this thing of um, what could it be? So I always like to, I kind of like the model um, that uh, influencer has like this kind of six sources of influence. And, and they talk about, you have both motivation and ability across the individual, the social and the structural. Some of it could be that uh, people are distracted by other concerns so they don't get to it. There is definitely some aspect where this is invisible. You can't see it as easily as easily as, as the friction thing. If, if something is slow and I'm working on it, I can feel that, um, which means it's easy to detect and respond to it. I kind of know what to do. When something is invisible, it's so easy to ignore and it doesn't feel bad at all, mm-hmm. right? And we're, we're still kind of limited by, our, by that kind of human, our human nature, if you will. I would say that's a, probably a significant reason why you don't see people do it is just like, it's not advertising itself, if you will, if you mm-hmm. kind of anthropomorphize it. It's like these type of problems don't advertise themselves and advertising is effective. <laughs> but whereas these kind of annoying friction things, they advertise them themselves all the, all the time. They, they actually cause you to emotionally react to them. You get annoyed, you complain. The larger system things tend not to advertise. You don't even know they're there. Even though like intellectually you can acknowledge that, but that like you're not intellectualizing all the time. You have to introduce all these things to help you remember. Now, without the kind of both the knowledge that this exists and having tricks, if you will, to make them annoying enough so that you can ensure that you're triggering off them and then and then working off that, like that's just hard. That's just very difficult. I don't know if there's much more than that. Like it, it's, it's kind of, I mean, there may be more to say, Hey, let's, let's try to break this down and see, which is kind of the meta complicated problem of, of how do you encourage reliable addressing of a non-obvious abstract complicated problem. It's like, that's a very hard problem. And I think we might leave it for the listeners to consider how they'll do that for themselves. Exercise for the listeners. Jason, thanks very much for taking the time to talk to us. As always, good to catch up and good luck in your continued endeavors at Spotify. Thanks.